What's up guys? Welcome back to another episode of Where Optimal Meets Practical, where we talk all things training, nutrition, and mindset optimization, while making sure to not lose sight of the practical and applicable side of things. I'm your host, Jordan Lips, and I just wanted to say thank you for taking time out of your day to tune in. I appreciate you. So without further ado, let's get into the episode. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the show. If you've been following my content for the last, let's say, six months to a year, 18 months, you've probably seen a lot of stuff about deloads, a lot of stuff about not overtraining, making sure you're taking proper rest days, fatigue management, making sure you're not under eating, making sure you feel good, your sleep's in check. And while I definitely do a lot of fat loss coaching, a lot of uh, body recomposition, physique change with a lot of my online coaching clients, it's fairly obvious that 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 deloading and making sure you're eating enough, taking maintenance phases, not rushing, the psychological side of fat loss, those are what I'm really passionate about. And I feel like if you're a coach, and I suppose any profession, that you're probably most passionate about things you've had personal experiences with. And that's very much so the case for me. I, you know, I know a lot of coaches who got into coaching because they had this crazy 100-pound transformation and, and they really want to pay that forward. And it changed their life and they want to help change other people's lives. And that makes perfect sense to me. Now, I don't have a crazy external transformation where maybe I was really skinny, I got really jacked, or I was very overweight and then I lost some weight and I got much healthier and, and I want to pay that forward. But you'll see very quickly how my transformation, albeit an internal one, has really affected the 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 factors and the the facets of fitness and health that I am most passionate about. And truthfully, I'm a little nervous to tell this story. Um, I feel like, you know, as coaches, we want to make sure that we're aspirational. We want to make sure that we we occupy this space of being this this vision of perfection. Like I, I like I need to have it all figured out. Like I'm your coach it means I have to have a great relationship with food, a great relationship with exercise. And I, and I have to have always been this way. And, and the truth is, I, I really feel strongly about telling you guys that it wasn't always like that, that I, I wasn't always in a place where I had a good relationship with food and good relationship with my body image and a, a, an ability to manage a social life. It, it wasn't always like that. And sometimes it takes something like the story I'm about to tell you to kind of put things in perspective and, and reshuffle your, your priorities and get to a place where you're really happy with your life and your body and your self-image and your self-talk and your confidence. And yeah, I, I just, I want to let you know that, that you know, I'm not super comfortable telling this story because I, I, but at the same time, I know that it's important that you guys know that I'm human too. And that if you're out there and maybe you're a coach or you're just, maybe you're a client, like it's okay if you don't have it all figured out you can still make progress. You're human. You don't have it to have it all figured out all the time. So the story begins maybe a couple years out of college, six, seven years ago. And I identified so strongly with my body. It, it just was who I was. I was the guy with the good body. I was lean, had a good body. Uh, I, you know, I counted my calories and, and that was it. That's who I was. And if somebody were to talk about me at a party or something like I was, I would hope that that's what they'd say because that was all there was to me. And it, you know, it was my main source of self-worth. It was my main source of happiness. It was all I was really proud of at the time. I was the guy with the good body. I was the new guy at the gym where I was training. I was the young, good looking guy with a good body. And that's all I was. And, and I clung to it like crazy. And so I'd been a personal trainer for a couple of years and I knew just enough to be dangerous, just enough to be dangerous to myself, just enough to be dangerous to my clients. And what I mean by that is 
you know, I don't know if you guys have heard of the Dunning-Kruger effect, but it's, it's something like when you first start to learn about a topic, you get this like drastic uptick, uptick, this exponential uptick in what you think you know versus what you actually know. So it's like reading one book on nutrition and then all of a sudden being like, yep, I'm a nutritionist and got it. When in reality, you know, if you were to read 10, 15, 20, 50, 100 more books, you'd actually realize how little you knew and how much there is in the gray area and how much there it depends and how much nuance there is and personal preference we need to inject and new and up and coming trainers who, who maybe just get a certification and, and read a couple books, listen to a, a couple podcasts, you are sitting atop this, what I call peak of Mount ignorance, where you think, you know, everything, but you actually know nothing. And that's where I was. And, and I knew just enough to, to rationalize some of the decisions I was making. I knew just enough to, you know, sound articulate when explaining things to clients. But the truth was I, I didn't know shit. I didn't know anything. I was walking around at single digit body fat percentage, mostly thanks to hyper restriction, social, social isolation, tons of cardio and training. And, you know, I, I was convinced I knew everything. I looked great. But the truth is I was exhausted. I was irritable. I was miserable. I was living on caffeine. I was always tired. I was napping every single day. And honestly, the sickening part looking back to it is I was okay with those trade-offs. I would have told you that things were fine. I would have told you I was happy. I was so brainwashed into thinking that I had to be this like near stage lean all year round because that's who I was. I was the guy with the good body. I was okay being exhausted all the time. I, I don't actually think I would have told you I was exhausted all the time. I would have thought it was normal. It was okay with those trade-offs. And what might even be worse is that, I, again, I, I didn't recognize that this is a way I shouldn't have been feeling, so I didn't bother trying to feel any better. I didn't bother trying to go down a path to fix it. I just accepted it because I said, hey, I'm, you know, I'm shredded. And that is what it is. I didn't want to face the fact that my restriction and obsession with being lean was the reason I didn't feel good. I didn't even know I didn't feel good. I just thought it was normal. I missed social events. I, I didn't go out. I didn't drink. I missed my friends. I made excuses. You know, I, I, I ate extremely low fat because I'm sure one bodybuilder one time said he, you know, he was extremely low fat, high carb, and that's it. I took it and ran with it. Um, and, and, you know, a lot of us say we're an all or nothing mentality. And I definitely think that that's an, a conversation in and of itself for another podcast. But I was certainly in a point in my life where I was, uh, I was, uh, prone to extremism. And anytime I would hear something, I would take it to the fullest, assuming that there was a dose response relationship with, if I just do more of this thing, I get more benefit. Not really understanding that that's not, that's not at all the case. Um, and you know, you'll, we'll talk more about that when, when we talk about going into a ketogenic diet. Um, yeah, I, I trained six or seven days per week. I wasn't really making any progress. I was doing weights. I was doing cardio. I counted every single calorie and I never missed an ounce of food. And while there's nothing wrong with counting every calorie and there's nothing wrong with not missing any ounce, an ounce of food, it's just I wasn't using that as a tool to feel good. I wasn't counting calories in the hopes that I was fueling myself adequately. I was using it as a tool of restriction all the time. Now, calorie counting is a great tool for restriction if you're trying to lose weight. That's the point. But I wasn't. I was just so unbelievably fearful of gaining one freaking ounce that I became so unbelievably neurotic. I ne I ate within a, like a 50 calorie range for a year, a year straight. I never missed a, an ounce. 
you know, most of my meals were just broccoli, turkey burgers, and rice cakes. That's it. It was a scary time, but hey, I was shredded, you know? I think back to those times, like, if I was feeling shitty, like, all, like you want to know how I got a quick dopamine hit? It was like, abflex. Feeling tired? Abflex. FOMO that you didn't go out with your friends? Abflex. And the sad part is, I, I can't honestly be sure that anything would have changed if not for the fact that at some point, my libido tanked. Tanked. And it, I, I don't know how, how TMI this would be for a podcast, but it's the truth. I couldn't, you know, it wasn't just a psychological tanking of my libido, my sex drive. I'm talking about lack of physiological function. And, um, you know, even if I could get myself in a situation, <laughs> we were out to lunch, so to speak. And, you know, that's unacceptable. That was unacceptable for me at the time. And, and I didn't really correlate it to the things I was doing to stay extremely lean. I thought there had to be something actually wrong with me genetically. I had to have genetically low testosterone or, you know, had a, a, a vascular issue or something. But I, I didn't want to face the truth. Um, so I decided to see a doctor. I was like, there's got to be something wrong with me. Now, for reference, normal range of testosterone is somewhere between 300 and 1,000. And that's obviously a very large range. You could probably say for a 25-year-old healthy male, it's most likely in that six to 800 range. But technically anything in that 300 to 1,000 range is considered normal. Under 300 being clinical. So when I had gotten my test back, I was, I believe I was about 15 points over the clinical level. So something like 315. And I know what you're thinking. It's, at that point, I must have been like, hey, this, you know, this whole like, the six to seven body, six to seven percent body fat year round thing, probably not a good idea, but I didn't, I didn't think that. I insisted that something was wrong with me. That's what we always do. It's my thyroid, it's, it's, it's menopause, it's, uh, it's the carbs, it's, I'm just, it's my fasting window. We don't want to take responsibility for the negative outcomes that, that are happening. We want it to be something outside of our control. We want to relinquish responsibility. We want it to be something that we can't do anything about so that we can justify what we've been doing. And that is exactly what I was doing. I saw a lot of doctors, not because I was getting conflicting prescriptions, but because none of them was gonna, none of them was telling me what I wanted to hear. I wanted testosterone replacement therapy. I wanted to, to, to get on exogenous testosterone because I wanted there to be something wrong with me. I wanted to have genetically low testosterone. I wanted to, to, to you know, to have some vascular issue. And, you know, n nobody would put it on, nobody would get me on TRT without, you know, a long-term, um, you know, watching my blood work for a long time and actually having that testosterone go below that clinical level, which pissed me off. I, I, I thought, hey, I have the symptoms. My, my testosterone's way lower than it should be. Like, what's the deal? But nobody was giving me what I wanted. And um, I guess, truthfully, there was a part of me that knew I was overtraining and underfed and walking around too lean. But I thought, hey, if I stick to my guns and I push for TRT with all these doctors, somebody will give it to me and then I don't have to change any of those other things. I don't have to change any of the things I know are actually fucking with me. And, and, and you know, my denial won out. I, my obsession with my physique ran out or won out. And I, I wasn't done with doing my, with my doctor run. My, my, I hit the circuit. Somebody would eventually cave, right, and shoot me up. And my search brought me to an endocrinologist who I am thankful every day for having met. And again, I'm not, I have nothing against 
you know, Western, Western medicine and conventional medicine. And so what I'm about to say is not a shot at doctors. I'm sure they're amazing. I love doctors. Thank God they save people's lives. But nobody until that point had spoken to me about nutrition. Nobody had spoken to me about calories. Nobody had spoken to me about my body fat levels. Nobody had spoken to me about how much I was training, how much I was sleeping. You know, they did say that, you know, you know, sleep more, um, you know, exercise, but nobody had talked about maybe I was over-exercising, you know, maybe I was hyper-caffeinated all the time and it was affecting the quality of my sleep. And I'm, I'm very thankful that we had that conversation because he specifically asked me about my fat, my dietary fat intake, and nobody had done that yet. And, you know, I held my ground at first. I was like, everything's fine. I'm in great shape. Until we did like a full dietary recall and we came to the conclusion that I was eating a grossly low amount of dietary fat. And we know, and I'm sure I knew at the time that dietary fat is really important for the production of anabolic hormones. Obviously, testosterone is the one at hand in this instance. Um, So he said to me, he said, get your dietary fat intake, gain 10 pounds and come see me in six months. If you don't see those number numbers come up, you still feel equally bad. You have a lot of those same symptoms. We'll do TRT. So I left feeling pretty good. Not, not because I was going to go ahead and do what he said, but because I knew that if I lied and told him I did those things and I came back in six months, then I would get what I wanted. I thought to myself, you know what, though? Let me try eating some more fat. I, you know, if we had a good conversation. We did discuss about how it is important for the um, synthesizing uh, anabolic hormones. So I did it, but I didn't just do it a little bit. I assumed, hey, if I'm going to eat a little bit more fat, why don't I just eat a lot more fat? Great great idea. You know, I'll just hack the system because that's how it works. Like more fat, more hormones, right? And this was right around the time the keto was floating up onto its pedestal as a magical cure-all for everything under the sun. I figured I got to eat more fat and I'm, I'm hooked on extremism at this point in my life. Like in most, you know, 25 year old men, like why not go all the way? So I embarked on a ketogenic diet. I figured, you know, I told myself that it would be a good experiment so that I would have firsthand account on, you know, I would have firsthand experience that I could talk to my clients about it. But that was kind of a cop out. I just wanted to eat more fat because doctor said it would give me more hormones um, and everything would go back to normal. So I spent eight months on a ketogenic diet, eight months. And, and, I'll tell you very quickly at the end, I'm going to go over some of the positives of this experience going through keto. But the fact that the one thing I learned going through through keto for eight months, I only missed one meal. I had one day out of ketosis in those eight months. And what I learned is that like you might say, oh, it was sustainable. Then you did great. No, my life became even more neurotic. The fact what I had to do to actually, quote unquote, succeed was insane. I became even more neurotic, more socially isolated, more obsessed with sitting atop my, you know, sitting in my nutritional ivory tower, assuming carbohydrates, I mean, (laughs) blood sugar, right? I mean, inflammation and stuff. Again, peak of Mount Ignorance. I knew fucking nothing. Spitting out insulin, inflammation, blood sugar. You know, I had a very base knowledge of any of that stuff and assumed I knew everything. Restaurants? I wouldn't go to restaurants. What if they were using vegetable oils? I remember I wouldn't even drink a spindrift. I don't know if you guys know what a spindrift is, but it's basically a seltzer with like one gram of sugar in it. Sugar? Inflammation, right? I mean, like fat storage, insulin, like other buzzwords. I mean, ketosis, duh. Like things were worse than I had ever been. They, I was in a more neurotic and obsessive state 
you know, an orthorexic state, you could call it, having looked back and understanding what that word means now, or orthorexia, you know, very, you know, broad strokes would be an obsession with healthy eating, uh, obsession with quote unquote clean eating to the point where it has a detriment on your life. And what's ironic is, again, I wouldn't have thought it at the time. I was making rational, what I thought were rational decisions. But looking back on it, it was a clear state of, of orthorexia. You know, I, I wouldn't eat at friends' houses. I, I wouldn't eat at barbecues. I was always I was always fasting, you know? Like, what the f actual fuck kind of life was I living? I was just fasting all the time. Anytime I was at friends' bar, ah, no, I'm fasting, I'm fasting. Like, what are you talking about? Like, you can't have a, like a burger or like, speaking of 4th of July, like, yeah, right. I wouldn't go near alcohol or a bun. I would just eat, I would just eat burgers, like nonstop, no bun, nothing, like no ketchup. Like, and again, that's fine. You want to do that? That's cool. But it's about the intent and the state of mind behind your actions. I was not doing it out of an enjoyment, a state of enjoyment. I was doing it out of a state of neuroticism, of, of obsession with, you know, the the minutia that turn out to, that they don't mean anything or they don't mean very much in the scheme of things. There was a point where I wouldn't even eat cake on my birthday. I, I remember my mom made me a birthday cake. I just straight up didn't eat it. Everybody ate birthday cake. I didn't eat my own fucking birthday cake. There's something fundamentally wrong with that. I was in no way, shape, or form in a place of balance. And balance is a kind of a tricky word because everyone's gonna have a different definition based on their goal. But for me, balance, you know, at the time was like, what level did my blood meter say I was in ketosis? Like that is for most likely nobody a really good place of balance. There was a point I was literally knocking back tablespoons of olive oil and drinking MCT oil right out of the jug so that when I pricked my blood, it would say that I was in more ketosis. Like who the fuck cares? I was in a really dark place. I thought for sure all this fat would boost my sex hormones fix everything and the problem was like I hadn't really changed anything I was equally neurotic equally obsessive over my leanness obsessed with my body my physique I was still training six or seven times a week still doing cardio same calories and for anybody that knows kind of the potential downsides of ketosis in terms of performance like the lack of carbohydrates combined with my high level of training only made my situation worse only made me more tired more fatigued um, in, in, in a higher state of overtraining. I couldn't recover between sessions, but I needed to look a certain way. I was treating ketosis and fasting as a competitive sport. I was counting the hours, pricking my blood multiple times per day. Seeing that I was in ketosis was some weird dopamine hit. Instead of like the ab flex would make me feel really good, I would just look at the, you know, the keto monitor and I was like, oh, sick, I'm in ketosis. This is awesome. I'm healthy. That doesn't mean you're healthy. I'm sorry. There's no correlation to being in ketosis and being in a healthy place, none. I, cho I chose to ignore the signs. I felt like shit. I started to be a little bit more cognizant of how I was feeling because I had the expectation of feeling better and it just wasn't happening. So instead of going back to the doctor, instead of doing what he said, which was gain 10 pounds, I hired a keto coach. You know, I must have just been doing something wrong. I must have been missing a special supplement or exogenous ketone or, you know, maybe I wasn't eating enough salt or maybe I was eating the wrong kinds of fats. That must have be it. That must be why I wasn't feeling good. It couldn't have been the fact that I was still eating way too little. I was too lean. I was overtrained and more neurotic in a bad place psychologically than ever. For reference really quickly, at the time, I don't like 
talking specifically about how many calories I eat because everybody's different. You know, we have different metabolisms. We have different levels of activity. We have different goals, but I am currently eating exactly twice as much as I was eating at this point in the story. Um, I guess the entire part of the story, um, exactly twice the amount. So I was grossly under eating at the time. And to be fair, I think we're all susceptible to falling into these, these patterns of thinking of trying dumb shit we know is dumb because the truth is hard. And I think that that's where the fitness industry thrives. They thrive in distracting you from the truth. The truth is you need a calorie deficit. And if you're not losing fat, you need to either eat less or move more. And no, it is not that simple. You know, eat less, move more is dog shit advice to somebody. But it is the base of the pyramid. It is something that you have to understand if you're having trouble losing weight. It is the beginning of the conversation. It's certainly not the end. And I didn't want to do the hard thing that was right in front of me, which was gain some weight. I wanted to make it more complicated. I wanted it to be something else instead of the thing that was staring me right in the face. When I went back to see the doctor in six months and I told him what I'd been up to, he asked if I gained any weight. I said, no, I didn't gain any weight, but I'm eating like 310, you know, I'm eating like 250 grams of fat. Like I'm good though, right? Like I'm good. Like, no, we not good. We, we very not good. So more blood tests came, same numbers, same symptoms, no TRT for me. And again, I'm very thankful for this, this uh, experience with this doctor in particular because could have very easily made money on me doing TRT. It could have very easily, um, you know, overlooked the agreement we had made previously, but he didn't. Um, and uh, I'm thankful for that because it would have been the easy way out for me. And maybe I'd still be in that situation now. So I, I was pretty pissed. I mean, I, you know, it'd been six months. I was hoping something would change. It didn't change. And I'm, you know, this is, this is a weird psychological um, thing that we all do. Like when you're having trouble losing fat, we want it to be our thyroid. We want it to be menopause. We want it to be our hormones. We want it to be insulin. We don't want it to be what we're doing. And I wanted something else to be wrong so badly, so badly. I was so mad that we couldn't figure out, oh, it's your blank or it's your this hormone or it's this gland or I was mad that we couldn't find a scapegoat for it because I knew that the more things we checked off the list or crossed off the list as it's not this, like eventually the arrow would be pointing right back at me. And I'd know that it was me that was doing this. It was my, you know, obsession with overtraining and underfeeding that was fucking up my body. You know, you know the feeling when you're sure that something's wrong, but nobody seems to understand. That's what I was feeling. But whenever that's the case, like you're the you're you're the one who's probably wrong. Why does none of the, why do none of the professionals agree with you? Because you're probably wrong. And the irony is that the same vanity that kept me spiraling down is kind of, you know, turned out to be the same thing that saved me. Through those eight months of keto, or six months of keto, six to eight months, um, I actually looked worse than when I started. My training quality declined uh, significantly. My performance declined. My, I lost muscle mass. Um, and again, I'm not saying that keto is bad or that if everybody does it, they're going to look worse. Of course not. I'm just saying that that was my experience. This is my story. I looked flat. My workout sucked. I couldn't recover. Back when I was eating a lot of carbs, at least my training was decent. I was definitely overtraining and not recovering and definitely not performing to the level that I could have been. But geez, man, if you took that away from me, once I took all the carbohydrates away and just wrecked my workout performance and, 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 and combining that with the fact that now, now I actually looked worse. Not only did I still feel like shit, my sex drive was still nowhere to be found, 
now you took away the thing that I loved most about myself that I clung to in terms of my identity so hard. I didn't look good anymore. Fuck that. As much as I wish I was here saying that I came to some epiphany that I should reintroduce carbs and gain some weight for the betterment of my health, like I was just doing it to look better. I'm still this overly, you know, just hyper-focused on body composition and, and still clinging so hard to that identity of being the guy with the ripped body who's 24-7 single-digit body fat percentage. I wasn't actually, you know, of course I wanted my sex hormones back, but I might not have changed what I needed to change if not for the fact that I also was performing like shit in the gym and didn't feel like I was trending in a way that was making me look better. So I got into my first well-structured training program, right? With the right amount of volume, the right amount of intensity. I started training four times a week, not six or seven. I started actually deloading, started actually taking time off, active rests, rest days. I got into a surplus. I brought some carbs back. I gained some lean mass. I gained some body fat. My workouts were amazing. My sleep improved. I saw my food obsession go down. My social life came back. My relationship with food got to such a good place I didn't even think it was possible. And, you know, my, you know, physiological function issue, libido-wise, came back. And all those years of restrictions calories, carbs, fats, keto, whatever. I thought that I thought that that's what it would be like forever. I thought I would be having 400 milligrams of coffee and still needing a nap forever. I thought this is what it takes to be lean. I thought those were trade-offs that had to be made. And truthfully, flexible dieting and, you know, fatigue management and not being a douche to myself and taking deloads and monitoring my training volume, it it gave me my life back. It also made me look better in the end, but it gave me my life back. I was able to go better, you know, to manage social events. I was excited. I saw my friends more. I saw my family more. I could eat out more at restaurants. And yeah, maybe that's not the be all end all of life, but those things were stripped from me. They were stripped from me voluntarily, but because of rules that were self-imposed. And for those of you wondering, my testosterone almost tripled, um, in, in, a, in a couple of years, actually, up until this point, my most recent blood test, and I felt invincible. And I'm not saying that there's anything inherently wrong with keto. Uh, you know, I, I'll talk, I'll make another podcast about my experience, pros and cons, but there is nothing inherently wrong with keto. Practically speaking, it's not sustainable for most people. And, you know, if, if you're going to do something that's unsustainable, it might as well be unique. It might as well be uniquely beneficial, but keto's not. You're not going to lose more weight in keto per calorie, as long as calories and protein are equated, than you will on a moderately carb, moderate fat diet, high carb diet, low fat diet. Like, it's not uniquely special. And for me, I thought it was. I, I thought it was doing something very, that's something I needed, and it just wasn't. And one of the main things I learned is the kind of neuroticism and the kind of sacrifice it might take to make it sustainable isn't worth it for 99.9% of people, period. And when people ask me, hey, can I do keto? It's not that you can't, but please tell me why. Please tell me why you think eliminating an entire macronutrient from your diet is a good idea or a better idea than something else. Now, just on that note, just so we're not bashing keto this entire time, hello, this entire time, I do want to touch on a couple positives. I do think that, you know, like I said, many of us have done some dumb shit. We look back and say, wow, that was dumb. 
But those times can still yield some positive takeaways if you really look for them. If you try and be optimistic about some of the dark times, things that you took from them, things that you learned. And for me, keto may have been a disaster and, and not a disaster because I couldn't stick to it, a, a disaster because I stuck to it. But it did help me reincorporate fattier foods that I had been, that I had been avoiding. I was avoiding avocado. I, I ate more avocado, more olive oil, more nuts, fattier proteins, more fish, like, you know, more steak. And, and, and those were foods that were just off limits, more dairy. I had some cheese, motherfucker. I had full fat yogurt, like things that I thought were like the bane of existence, things that I thought, oh, I can't maintain my body composition if I eat these high fat foods. Like, this is just not the way it works. Like some fucking bodybuilding guru said, you gotta eat low fat. Like keto helped me reincorporate those foods into my diet brought me brought me actually actually to a place of balance where I had begun with this hyper low fat diet and then being the extremist I was flipped over to an extremely high fat diet almost non-existent carbohydrate diet going to both ends of that extreme actually helped me find balance and I really do believe that sometimes we have to experiment with unbalance to find balance and that's not, it doesn't always work out perfectly in the end, but there are plenty of anecdotal, especially from clients that I've worked with and other coaches where experimenting with, like the only way I really became confident in my coaching in terms of managing people's fatigue and writing programs that are that have the proper amount of volume and intensity is because I know what it's like to go too far and you know what it's like to not take deloads and what it's like to not take diet breaks and what it's like to not do maintenance phases because I did all of those things and I saw how detrimental it was to my psychology, my physiology. So sometimes going through those periods of unbalance like can have a net positive in the long term if you can get yourself out of them. And so another thing that keto did for me is, you know, I was obviously, I obviously embraced fasting uh, because, you know, duh, keto plus fasting is basically gives you superpowers. You literally shit $100 bills and just shred belly fat. But seriously, I, I realized that you know, you, you could not eat sometimes and life will go on and your body's pretty adaptive. And if you don't eat for six hours, seven hours, you know, combined with the overnight fast, maybe you intermittent fast, like it's totally fine. You're going to be okay. And, and that was really powerful because I'd always been this like within the first hour of eating, within the first hour of waking up breakfast because, you know, stoke the metabolism. But having experimented with intermittent fasting and full day fasts and three day fasts, I got to a point where like from a from a psychological abstinence perspective, understanding that I wasn't going to just drop dead, like taught me a lot. And it also taught me that, you know, when you when you do eliminate entire food groups, food palatability goes down, which can drive hunger and food focus down. And that that can actually be a tool for people struggling with cravings. So if, you know, people have talked about not eating carbs and fats in the same meal, which is in terms of fat loss, totally ridiculous because it, it, that makes no difference in terms of how your body's digesting and utilizing those carbohydrates, uh, uh, carbs and fats, calories. Like at the end of the day, it's the same exact thing. It does, there's no like food combination hack, but it did teach me that, listen, if you're, if you're having a meal that's just protein and fat, you're going to get that this like, uh, this like palatability ceiling where we have this like palate fatigue because it's like savory, 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 savory. Like in, on, in a, on the flip side, if you have like a, a, there's a reason people don't eat just table sugar, but there's a reason that when you combine sugar and fat together, it tastes amazing. So it did teach me that, hey, like one way we can fight cravings, fight hunger, fight this like uncontrollable need to eat is maybe by utilizing something like that where you're, you're having 
higher fat meals and higher carb meals to kind of, you know, utilize that, that palate fatigue to reduce overall calories over time. And yeah, at the end of the day, I'm grateful for that windy, semi-fucked up road because I'm way more appreciative of my relationship with food now, my relationship with exercise and treating my body with the respect, giving it the rest and the food that it needs. And it's made me a better person and a better coach. And it's improved my life in a multitude of ways. So I feel like we can't entirely look back and hate on those moments that, you know, maybe we're seem pretty fucked up now when we look back at them, but actually did us some good if we could embrace change. So that's my story. And that's why I'm so adamant about taking enough rest days. That's why I'm so adamant on making sure you're deloading when you have to. Reverse dieting after your diet is over. Embracing more food. Getting to maintenance. Not training six or seven times per week because you think you have to or you're going to lose your progress, right? Not training six or seven times out of fear. Paying attention to your energy, your sex drive, your sleep. Focusing on your relationship with food and exercise and the scale and self-talk. Making your nutrition a part of your life, not letting it consume it. Realistically, getting lean and losing fat, it can help with a lot of those things if you do it right. I've seen a lot of those things improve. And if you're overweight, chances are losing fat's going to get you a lot of those things. And with proper coaching, you can get the relationship with food, exercise, and scale thing while losing weight. But it can also do the opposite if you do it wrong. And just hope that somebody out there listening knows that, you know, I, I'm not perfect. I'm human. I've been where you are. I've been in this orthorexic state. I've been in this state of extremism. I've tried low fat. I've tried low carb. I've tried, you know, super long fasts. I've tried eating every hour. And at the end of the day, like having tried those things that you might look back and kind of regret doing because they were kind of stupid, like maybe they are what you needed to do to get to a place of balance. Like maybe you needed to psychologically check off all of those dumb things to finally come to the conclusion of like, hey, maybe I should try this flexible dieting thing where I don't treat myself like an asshole and I don't view my my calories in terms of a daily win and loss. I, I, I work on a weekly scale and I'm not hyper-focused on only eating quote-unquote clean foods that I incorporate things I like and I have a more flexible mindset. Like, I just want you to know that if you're in a place where you don't feel like you have a good level of balance, like just know that it's not over for you, that you can get to a good place that you are happy with. And you might look back and be thankful for those moments of, of unbalance because they, they are what it took to get to a place of balance. So I promise that's the last episode about me for a while. Um, I just wanted you guys to know that that's kind of where I've gotten to in terms of being passionate about a lot of those topics. And um, I'm chewing your ear off about deloading just because I know it's just because I know how important a lot of that stuff can be. Thanks for tuning in, guys. I'll see you on the next episode. Drop in on Thursday. Thanks for listening. Adios. Adios.